This is where Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Well, hello, Texas. Uh, Right now, we've had another uh, mass shooting here in the state, this time in Allen, Texas, just north of Dallas at the Allen Premium Outlets. Uh, eight people murdered there uh, by a gunman who just pulled up and started randomly shooting uh, some days ago. Yeah, you, you know, I, people see this and they, they think, well, gosh, you know, I, 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 how can I protect myself? I don't think you can. I mean, here, here's a little trivia about Whiteley. I'm a concealed handgun license holder. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way this happened, the way the shooting in Cleveland, Ohio happened, the, the shooter rolls up to the very front, pops out of the car like anybody get out of the car and start shooting. Right. There's nothing, there's nothing you can do at that point. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a weapon to be able to draw it, return fire. And, and, you know, that's just so highly unlikely, but it's been a, it's, it's been a tough week. It's been a depressing week. Yeah. And a lot of people are angry, Wheeler. You know, they, they want something done. Six years in this state, we've had six major mass shootings. Mm-hmm. A mass shooting, I think, is declared as, what, four or more. Right. But six major ones. Let's think about it. El Paso, Sutherland Springs, Midland, Odessa, uh, Santa Fe, Uvalde. And now add Allen to that list. It's just people are fed up and want something to happen. Yeah, because as you mentioned, you know, you feel like you obviously don't have protection from someone like this, uh, someone who is, you know, hell bent on, you know, just creating terror uh, and who is out to kill and who is armed to the teeth. I thought it was interesting uh, during the rare news conference that we were able to get this past week uh, that featured uh, the Department of Public Safety. One of the reporters asked, is there anything DPS can do to to protect the the people of this state from this happening again? And the DPS spokesperson said, "Uh, that's a tough question. Uh, and, And so, you know, even DPS acknowledging that, you know, there's, you know, there's very little way to stop this from happening uh, once someone gets it in their mind that they're going to do this and they've got the uh, weapons to do it. And so a lot of the focus uh, this past week, once again, as we've seen so many times after these shootings, has been on the weapons, Jason. It, it has been on the weapons. And, and, you know, here's what's interesting about this one. We saw all the outrage after Uvalde. We saw uh, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick after El Paso um, you know, Buck, the NRA, he's the only one, to my knowledge, that had enough uh, gall to do that. Mm-hmm. No other Republican wants to back the NRA, but, uh, you know, go up against them because they know what will happen politically. What's interesting about what happened in Allen, and we can talk about the reasons for this, is that Texas Republicans are, are, are now talking about wanting to discuss this. That hasn't happened before. And I, I wonder... Is that happening because this happened in a solid red Republican county like Collin County? It happened in an area where these conservatives actually live. It it showed up in their backyard. Is that the reason this is happening? Either way, I don't think it matters. Either way, I think Texans, I think Americans, I think people in Collin County want something done about it. We have seen at least four conservative Republicans right now in the Texas House of Representatives uh, say that it's time to start talking about this. That's what's so fascinating about this one. And that's why we wanted to, you know, really to put this podcast together. Yeah. But before we, we get into that, let's kind of set the scene for you about what all happened last week with, with one of our journalists who was working on Saturday. She was one and of the Sunday first people and to, Monday. Yeah, she was yeah. one of the first people to go on the air. Uh, after this happened on Saturday, uh, and then she continued that coverage all the way through the weekend, very heavy coverage, uh, and then uh, immediately at the beginning of the week headed to Austin and got what she describes as an absolute shock there at the Capitol. Uh, Her name is Teresa Woodard. We've had her on the podcast uh, several times. She is always uh, really good at distilling information and emotion and 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 laying out uh you know exactly what has taken place and so we debriefed her on what has been uh just a a really tough week for a lot of people here in texas teresa first of all uh thanks for being uh on with us uh, today i know this has been 
a really draining week, and and I know that you were a, a part of this coverage uh, from Alan uh, from the day it happened all the way through the weekend, and then you went down to Austin first thing on Monday, and uh, you've continued forward with the story, and you just got back. Uh, so I mean, you're you're fresh off the road here. If yeah. you can, first of all, just you know. Tell me where your head is at right now after, you know, all of this. This is heavy, heavy stuff, especially here in North Texas. You can just feel it. Uh, But then also to be following that up in Austin, where we've seen some interesting things this week as well on on this front. Yeah. Um, Well, you're right. Exhausting is one word. Um, It's just been so difficult. And, you know, I happened to be at work on Saturday afternoon when we first got word. Literally, I took a phone call that said, there's a shooting in Allen. And of course, the first reaction is, maybe it's a false alarm, maybe it's a false call. And that's what you hope. And then it was quickly clear that no, this is happening and this is very bad. And so from the moment that we knew until where I am now in my head, I, I don't I don't have words for it, Jason. Um, I mean, part of me is would like to use some four letter words about how we continue to have this happen and and why we continue to let it happen um, because we shouldn't have to live like this. It's not right. Period. End of story. But then there's also the part of me that just my heart breaks for those families because you can put yourself, haven't you, Jason, haven't you seen your family in the video of those people running through the parking lot? Because it's a Saturday afternoon and you're shopping at the mall because who doesn't go do that every once in a while on a Saturday afternoon? So I think that's part of the the, the hard thing too, is you you see your family running through that parking lot for their lives. Mm -hmm. And then added on to it, when we're in Austin, the Uvalde families were there Mm. and I don't know that my head and my heart was in the right place on Monday to to prepare myself for being in a room with maybe 20 families from Uvalde who are still just suffering. And it's been almost a year and it's still fresh and the grief is still so fresh. And they were there lobbying for some, uh, for some laws to change. So long answer to your question, um, it's hard. It's hard for every person, no matter if you're a journalist, no matter who you are, it's a hard thing to experience. Well, yeah, because you're around those families from Uvalde who uh, almost a year ago lost their babies. Um, and, and, and they have been, and they were babies. These, these were elementary kids, you know, 19 of them, as well as two teachers at that Uvalde school. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned putting yourself in the place, you know, when you're talking about the Allen premium outlets. And that's the thing with these, with these mass shootings, especially when they're close to home. Uh, yeah. Because then you can go, wow, I've been there. Uh, right. I'm, I might have been there on any given weekend. I might have gone to eat there. We might have gone to return something there or pick up something there. And that could have just as easily been me laying on that pavement at the end of that afternoon as it was any of those other people. It does make it personal. And here's where I want to get into what's going on in Austin, because before we get into all the machinations of everything that's been going on there in the Capitol, you caught up with one of the legislators there. He's from District 61. He is a Republican. His name is Frederick Frazier. His uh, district encompasses uh, the Allen Premium Outlets, if I'm correct. I think uh, it's just outside of his district. It's like that's he why borders I asked. it very closely. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's very close though. Very and close. you know, the the two of us are talking about what if, what if, you know, what if I had been there? I could have been there. That could have been my family there. He had a similar feeling there, and you know it, it may be that that is the sort of thing that starts to move the needle when we start talking about the possibility of legislation. Let's listen first to your discussion that you had with him about how this hits close to home, and then we'll pick it up on the other side. My family was there one hour prior to this shopping. My, my wife, my two children were right there. And so when you think about that and put your own self in perspective, 
that could have been my family there. And, but luckily they were gone, but these other families tragically are not gonna ever be here again. And you've got a little boy that's six, when he finally comes to, he's not gonna ever see his family again. And for no reason other than this maniac and pure evil that exists in this world. And you have a lot of folks that are just like, well, it's just evil. It's, it is just evil. But you know what? Law enforcement's there. Law enforcement needs to know what to do with this and how to track it and how to figure out how to stop it. And we're not getting some of those answers. And here we are, lawmakers, and what are we doing about it? And that's the big question that I ask myself every single day. What are we doing about it? And I've got to figure this out because I have a feeling a lot of folks just say, well, this is just part of life. You're right, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You mentioned weapons. Is there a softening in your heart, a softening among any of your Republican colleagues to maybe consider some measures that would tighten gun laws in Texas? I think you're seeing it. I think you're seeing that that ballots come back to where you're like, what do we need to do to figure out if the wrong people are getting a hold of these weapons? And how are they getting these weapons? Are we making it too easy for them to get these weapons? Or, or why is why is that one particular weapon the choice every single time? And and that's that's something we have to take the hard look at. And we have to you that hard look needs to come from the two A grassroots. It has to come from NRA. It has to that sit down has to happen. How do we fix this? Or is there a fix? I think there is. I think there's somewhere in the middle there. You saw two Republicans come out yesterday and, and, you, and you look on their social media and they're just completely attacked. And you know, they're doing it from their heart. They're not doing it because they hate guns. I mean, we're gun wearers. We're, gun t- we're, we're police officers. We're, we're in the communities. Why would we want to take guns away from uh, citizens to protect themselves? We want citizens to be armed. We want citizens to protect themselves. But we also don't want maniacs that have pure evil in their heart to go out there and kill our families and everyone else's family. So that's a hard, the hard look we have to look at. And that, and that something right there has got to be pulling. If you don't feel that, then there's something wrong with you right now. If you saw those videos and you saw those bodies piled up and you saw what happened there and that doesn't make you think we got something wrong, then you have something wrong. That's how all, most of us feel. So you're willing to consider some measures? I'm, I absolutely am. And we have to sit down and have these conversations. Okay, so again, that's Representative Frederick Frazier in the Texas legislature, a Republican, uh, by anyone's standards, not a squishy, soft, maybe Republican. He's not a I don't think anybody can, yeah, I don't think anybody can accuse him of being a rhino there, Teresa. Oh, but they are now. They are now. They are now. Okay, I guess that. Since that news was posted on Twitter and since his story has been on WFAA, they are accusing it of being a rhino. Okay, so that is the landscape these days, isn't it? Um, and 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 so here we have this this lawmaker who's saying, you know, I think it is something we absolutely need to sit down and talk about, think about, have a conversation about. Obviously, you know, Democrats would prefer uh, something far more advanced than that. But you know, when you start talking about the GOP in Texas, that right there. What, what you were talking to him about, that's an earthquake that was happening. That was a political earthquake in Texas politics. I did not expect Representative Frazier to answer those questions that way at all. Um, and just a little context, we bumped into him um, in the hallway. And uh, you and I probably both remember when Frederick Frazier was with Dallas Police Association uh, because he is a career police officer and we used to have dealings with him um, from that perspective. And so we recognized each other, kind of waved. And um, I just called him over and said, you know, I don't know if you you would like to talk about uh, what happened in Allen, but I know you're from Collin County. And he said, absolutely, let's do it. So that's how that conversation began. And um, I, you may hear me in some of those questions sound a little measured because I, I was trying to understand and make sure that I was getting his words right, that I was hearing exactly what he was saying um, because I was shocked. And I think you heard importantly from him say that this is something that has to come from 2A grassroots. It needs to come from the NRA. And he means Second Amendment grassroots there. Yeah, correct. And I think that's where his heart was at that moment. I, you know, believe it will stay there. Um, 
maybe because of it was so close, his family there an hour before, but also maybe because this entire session, not a week has gone by without families from Uvalde, without activists from Moms Demand Action and other uh, gun safety advocates inside that Capitol, chanting, raising their voices, flooding, flooding these representatives' offices with letters and phone calls and emails. So, you know, it's a testament to raising your voice. And maybe that combined with seeing it so close to home has affected people in a different way. Yeah, you know, we saw this this raise the age bill, as it's been called, that would you know raise the age of, to, to buy certain assault rifles in Texas from 18 to 21. We saw this move out of committee uh, that day this week, and that uh, was shocking too, Jason. It was. No one expected that, Teresa. And no I think one. if anyone expected any action, they expected it right after Uvalde. I mean, you know, people have been calling for action after all of these that have happened in Texas, but I think they expected it after Uvalde. They didn't see it then. No one, this was on no one's radar that this was going to pass out of that committee, much less with two Republicans joining Democrats to get it out of that committee. It was on no one's radar that it would even be discussed in committee until about five minutes before the committee met. <laughs> and so uh, this was one of those very hastily called committee meetings that that happens sometimes. And um, it was unclear exactly what would happen, but there were rumors. And so you can imagine everybody rushes to the, the meeting room for that committee and there's a ton of people outside and everybody's trying to squeeze in and they, they're letting some of the Uvalde families in and they're letting some of the media in. And then we're in there and we're thinking, what are we gonna see, what's going to happen? And the fact that they took the vote, uh, the fact that two Republicans voted yes on this bill was monumental. However, that's as far as it got. Mm -hmm. And you know, you, you never want to say, we've got time left in a legislative session, so you never want to say, it's over, it's done, because a bill, you never know what the future could hold. It could be you know, brought back to life. But the chances are extremely unlikely. So these families who had lobbied from the families from Uvalde who'd been there lobbying, they were so excited to have that vote and to see two Republicans vote for advancing this bill. And then about 36 hours later, you know, it was the exact opposite emotion when they realized that that bill was going to go no further. It was yeah. It describe was how that stopped. happens, because I think a lot of people think, well, this got out of a committee. Now it goes to the full house and they're going to vote. It didn't get to the full house. Describe what happened there. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to bungle this because it's so much procedural stuff. And there it's it's we could talk for 30 minutes about stuff and I probably would get it wrong because there's so many technical things. But, but basically, basically it had to get through another committee. You got it. You got it. So it cleared this one select committee that had been formed to talk about safety measures, including guns. It cleared that, again, with those two Republicans voting yes. Then it has to go to the calendars committee. The calendars committee is powerful. They control when things are going to be debated and exactly what's going to be debated on the House floor. The calendars committee never scheduled it for debate. And there's some debate about exactly whether they got it in time to actually put it on the calendar. Um, but the bottom line is it did not clear that committee. Mm -hmm. And so its future is, it, it, it's not going to have a future. There's not, good, right. there's not going to be any further action. However, Democrats continue to say, we are procedurally going to try every kind of maneuver we possibly can to tack it on as an amendment to something else, just to force it to be heard. Mm -hmm. They're in the minority, Republicans control everything. and. Jason, you and I both know the Republicans are not going to bring this up on the House floor for debate. But Democrats and, and those families from Uvalde are still uh, holding on to hope. We know that there has been uh, this collection of families from uh, Collin County as well now, where Allen is located, uh, also uh, letting lawmakers know that they are going to be headed down to the Capitol as this legislative session comes to an end to see if maybe they can uh, push this forward as well. Uh, and, you know, interestingly, you know, we, we understand why these families would hold on to hope here 
that something can get done, especially all of these families who've been there all along from Uvalde, you know, in, in, in memory of their babies trying to get something changed. Uh, we also understand why Democrats would be hopeful because, you know, you know, there's a joke that you have to be hopeful to be a Democrat in Texas because they've been out of power for so long right. that, right. you know, sometimes the best thing they can do is hope that, you know, their priorities will somehow make it onto the agenda, especially when it's this issue. Uh, but even it struck me that when you were talking to Representative Frazier, even he expressed some, I don't want to call it optimism, but some uh, glimmer of maybe optimism in there that we might still see action in these last days of this legislative session. Let's listen to that first and then we'll talk about it. 20 days left. Can anything happen between now and the end of the uh, session? Anything can happen. And uh, we're... We're definitely having those conversations right now. There's a lot of us just begging. We need to have these conversations. More needs to happen. My phone has been absolutely blowing up with the constituents asking, what are we doing? These are folks that voted for me. I'm a Republican through and through, but this needs to be where we come together and figure out how to fix this, how to do something to make everyone understand we are there. Because I think a lot of folks think we, they, don't, they don't want to mess with anything. That's just not true. So, you know, again, uh, like you were talking about there, Teresa, when you were talking to the representative, you know, the whole time you're thinking, I, I can't believe I'm hearing all of this because this is not what we have heard in sessions past. In fact, as we've gone through different mass shootings here in Texas, we've actually seen gun regulations loosened over time, not tightened. And it's odd to hear this. Yeah, and that was one of the, the main messages that Democrats, Democrats held a news conference on Monday and that was one of their main messages was that um, gun laws have only loosened in the state of Texas. And we've talked, you know, there, there's this message that a, a good guy with a gun is the only way to prevent a bad guy with a gun. And they're trying to say, we don't believe that's true. <laughs> Look at what's happening. And so it was surprising to hear a Republican agree that we need to at least have these conversations. We need to talk about these things. Um, and you heard him say he's hearing from people who put him in that office. He's hearing from Republicans who voted for him who are saying, what are you going to do? Hmm. So it's not just Frederick Frazier out on an island. He wouldn't be as passionate if his constituents weren't, as he said, blowing up his phone. We wonder, though, will he start to hear from some other constituents now that, as you say, uh, he's taken this stand. He's had stories put out there about him willing to entertain, uh, you know, some ideas on this issue. And now he has been labeled a rhino, a Republican in name yeah. only. I uh, don't make a habit of looking at every comment on things I tweet uh, yeah. by any means. Um, Smart. But I, I had to turn off my Twitter notifications um, when I tweeted that news about him and the, the clip of video of him talking about it. Um, at last I checked, if you'll bear with me for a second, um, there were, uh, let's see here. Um, 55,000 views of that video. So wow. why did and, you and turn I, the notifications? Why did you turn them off? Yeah, why did you turn them off? Was it what people were saying or just the sheer number of them that just kept pinging in? Mm, both. Um, okay. it, for, for, I mean, the distraction, you know how that is. You're trying to work and your phone keeps lighting up and finally you say, okay, I can't even um, deal with this. But but yeah, the 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 vitriol is is really a problem on on all social media, but particularly on, on Twitter. Um, but frankly, it wasn't direct. I mean, I, I just... I'm just the one who asked him the question. The, the vitriol was was um, was definitely directed at him. Mm -hmm. And and you wonder, you know, what else gets directed, you know, when we get to primary season next time around as well. Uh, Good question. Did you did you get the sense from Democrats that you talked to there under the dome in Austin that they were? I mean, you were taken aback interviewing this one representative and hearing what had happened in this uh, one committee with the other two Republicans, you were taken aback by that. What were Democrats thinking? Were they, uh, were yeah, they blown they were away by this too? They were surprised, Jason, without a doubt. They were surprised 
by um, his words, and they were surprised by the two Republicans who voted yes to to bring that raise the age bill out of committee. Um, and I think it made them feel hopeful. And and to be honest with you, I I think that some of the Democrats have heard um, support in private hmm. for some of these things, and then when the cameras are on or when the mics are on or when the voting happens, that support goes away. And so I think they were happy to have heard publicly some of the sentiment that maybe they'd been hearing privately through this session. Uh, we talked with Democrat uh, Dallas Representative Retta Bowers, and she told me that at the beginning of this session, she felt like there was a softening of hearts. And she also said that um, echoing something I said earlier, the pressure, the voices, it was just too much to ignore, she thinks. Sadly, one of the Uvalde fathers, uh, he, he lost his daughter. He told me if Alan hadn't happened, that committee wouldn't have voted that bill out. Hmm. That's what did it. And how heartbreaking is that? Because they've you know. been there all along, pushing in memory of their own children, and it just happened to be the timing, uh, at least this dad thinks so, that put yeah. this over the finish line there. Because, again, it was a surprise to everybody. Yeah. Teresa, last I, thing before I let you go at the end yeah. of what I know. Did I just cut you off? No, I was just going to say, you know, the, the hardest part is knowing you, you can't predict the future. Um this session is going to end May 29th. Will we have special sessions? Likely. Will they talk about guns? Unlikely. So this movement that we have felt, that we've seen from Republicans in the past few days, you know, where does that go over the course of time between now and the next legislative session? Um, who knows? So, so is this just a moment in time or is this sustainable? I, I certainly have no answer for that. I, and that feeds right into what the, the last question I was going to ask you. Um, so does that movement that we've seen with some Republicans, is that movement, do you think, dependent upon this movement that we have seen gaining momentum among people, among families, right. among parents, you know, these Uvalde parents, for example, these uh, folks from Collin County who have put their legislators on notice that they are headed down to Austin and that they would like some time to meet with them and that they are watching and paying attention. Uh, this, you know, lawmaker that you talked to who says he is definitely hearing it from his constituents. What are you going to do to change things? Do, is this movement of Republicans in the legislature albeit a small one that we've seen with a handful of Republicans, is that movement now dependent going forward on what that bigger movement of parents and, and so forth and, and concerned citizens looks like as we go forward? I think my um, I, experience from seeing other things makes you feel like um, we get distracted really quickly and Tragedy has a tendency to, um, you know, spur action, and then that action sort of dies away. Um, so I don't know. Can can it? Will it carry through beyond um, the immediate shock and fear and sadness? I don't know. Um, but I'll tell you, as just a, a human being, my fear is that it just happens again. And the momentum grows a little bit again, and then it goes away, and it happens again, and again, and again. And so we see as we go forward. Uh, Teresa Woodard, some very solid journalism this week in a week that it has not been easy to do it. Uh, these are the hardest uh, sorts of days, you know, especially when you can picture yourself, your own family uh, in these situations. Yeah, and you uh, know I'm what, Jason, one more thing I wanted to point out that really threw me for a loop this week. I found out that shooter went to the same high school that I did. The suspected shooter from Allen hmm. went to my high school in Dallas. I'm clearly much older than him, so we never crossed paths. But just knowing we roamed the same halls, um, that just added a layer of disbelief and anger and grief. And it draws it that much closer to home. Amen. All of it. You got it. 
Well, I know it has been a very, very long week, uh, and you are due for a couple of days off now. Uh, and I, I just wanted to thank you for taking the time with us here on the podcast to uh, tell us what you've been coming across, because it's been uh, extraordinary in, in many ways uh, over this past week. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And um, I'm sorry if I'm a little bit scatterbrained. It has been a long week. So I hope, I hope that uh, people can give me a little grace if I'm not so articulate. I think you're right on point as usual. Get some, uh, get some time off, get some rest, Thanks. Teresa. Thank you for, for doing this with us. Thanks. So Jason, you know, she made an interesting point there uh, at the end, Teresa Woodard did, uh, saying, you know, basically that, you know, yeah, we see this momentum. We see all of these people who are, are pushing for change at the, at the Texas legislature. We see some very unusual movement within uh, the legislature. Um, but, you know, Teresa accurately points out that, a lot of times we'll see a fervor build after something yeah. like this, and then there's sort of the waiting game. You know, if people don't want change, they just, you know, wait out the clock, and sure enough, uh, society moves on to the next issue of the day. And uh, so she says, you know, she could very easily see that uh, happening this time around because we only have limited days left in this legislative session. Yeah, as this podcast comes out, we have a little more than two weeks. We have 15 days left in the session. I'm not sure what they could realistically get done in 15 days that would address the Allen shooting. But as we said at the beginning of the podcast, what's so interesting about this is you have Frederick Frazier, like you just heard there, a state rep from Collin County, a, a conservative Republican, a, a law enforcement officer, a member of the Dallas Police Department, a former city council person up there, a, a fervent supporter of the Second Amendment, saying... It's time to start talking about this. Our next guest is State Representative Jeff Leach. He's a chairman of a committee in the Texas House of Representatives. He represents this area. Uh, it's about a mile from his house where this thing happened. So this didn't just you know, affect those of us across Texas and across the country. This really affected the folks who live around it, uh, who go to these premium outlets there in Allen all the time, who, who you know, likely know some of the people who were impacted by this. Remember, as as law enforcement said in the days after, the, the victims aren't just the ones who were shot, aren't just the ones who laid eyes on it. There was also the thousands of people, Jason, who were in that mall and 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 heard from somebody. There's a shooter here. Take cover. These are the people who were were, were hiding uh, all over the property there as this thing unfolded in front of the H and M store. But let's get back to Jeff Leach for a moment. He, he's a player in Austin. He is well-known in Collin County, having, having served there for quite a while. But what he said on Monday on the House floor, surrounded by his colleagues from the right and the left, Here, here's one quote he said. He said, we will respond boldly, swiftly, smartly, and that we will do everything that we can possibly, that we possibly can to address this head on. Now, when I hear that, I'm thinking, okay, well, what kind of laws are you going to pass that, that realis realistically you can get passed? So we called up State Rep. Jeff Leach at his office in Austin at the Capitol and talked to him about this. Chairman Leach, good morning to you. Uh, I don't remember the last time four conservative Republicans said that there needs to be some way to address gun violence. You said the other day after the shooting in Allen, we will respond boldly, swiftly, smartly, and that we will do uh, everything possibly to address this head on. What should Texans expect? Well, Jason, this this horrific tragedy, this shooting took place right in the heart of my district, about a, a mile, no less than a mile from where I live. This is this is home for us. Um, these are uh, these are my constituents. These are my neighbors and our friends. And um, this has really, really hit our community hard. And um, and uh, we're responding in kind. I'm so grateful for our law enforcement, our brave law enforcement and our community just rallying around each other in our in our time of hurt and pain here at the Capitol. Um, from a legislative perspective, I, as I've always been, am open to any and all solutions that, yes, protect our Second Amendment rights, which is very important and we're committed to, but also uh, smartly and with common sense and boldly um, can can work to prevent these tragedies in the future. As I said on the House floor, Jason, the other day. Um, one thing I do know is this is happening way too much, and it does not have to be this way. It doesn't. We shouldn't accept it. We should uh, come together, get around a table, lock arms, and figure out how we can prevent this, these tragedies from happening um, in, our, in our hometowns in the future. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that, that, that's different than what we've heard before from you, from uh, Representative Frederick Frazier, from, from others uh, who have not said this stuff before. Do you expect there is any support at all, though? 
from leadership to actually have a conversation about this? Well, to have a conversation, absolutely. Look, if there's any policymaker at any level of government on any issue that is unwilling to have a conversation, that's unwilling to engage on, on very difficult issues, that's unwilling to sit around a table and to deliberate on, on difficult issues, even when we disagree, then, uh, then we've got a fundamental problem uh, with our political discourse. I think this is one of those issues where we've gotten so used to uh, retreating to our political corners and, and reading political talking points and, and becoming so entrenched in what we believe that we're unwilling to even communicate or, or meet. Now, look, I'm, I'm a firm Second Amendment supporter. I, I am not going to waver from that nor apologize from it. But are there things that we can do and policies that we can advance here at the state capitol that can protect uh, our citizens and prevent this from happening again? Yes. And I'm open to those things and eager to be a part of those discussions. What are some of those things? Well, of, of course, um, we, we are committed to supporting our, our law enforcement and to protecting our Second Amendment rights. I have a God-given right to protect myself and my family. I'm not going to apologize for that. I'm not going to retreat from it. That's not a right that's given by government. It's a right that's protected by government. So, yes, we're committed to that. But, but we, um, we've got a problem when guns are falling into the hands of people who don't need them, who have verifiable uh, mental health issues, who, have, um, who are breaking our laws. Uh, look, right now, um, we have a lot of laws on the books across this country, including the state of Texas, that are meant to prevent these tragedies, that are meant to prevent guns from falling in the hands of people who don't need them. And those laws are not being enforced. And so before we consider new laws, I want to make sure that the laws we have are being enforced, and then we can consider what additional holes that we need to fill in the system. All of those things are on the table as we go forward here at the state capitol. Do you expect anything legislatively to come from the Allen shooting? I do. I do. I, I think that, that you're going to see what, you, what you've seen in the past. Unfortunately, this has happened way too many times in the past, but you're going to see not only conversations, but you're going to see real action that's laser targeted, not just to, uh, to make ourselves feel good, not just to, quote, do something, but to do the right thing when it comes from a policy perspective. And I've got a bill on the House floor. It was actually passed out of the Senate 31 to 0. It was the first bill the Senate passed this session that's meant to address uh, mental health issues. And, and making sure our database at the state and federal level are keeping are, are linked and they're keeping guns out of the hands of people who don't need them. I have that bill in the House. I expect to pass that bill here in the next week to 10 days. That bill will go a long way. It's just one step of many that we should consider here to go a long way to keeping guns out of the hands of people who wish to do harm, who want to break our laws, who want to inflict mass violence. That's one, one solution of many, and I'm proud to be, be down here leading the charge on it. The Allen shooter, as you know, didn't have a record, didn't have any mental health issues. This this wouldn't have stopped that person. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I've heard mental health. Everyone's heard mental health for so long. I, I don't know of, of any mass shooter that's ever sought mental health uh, help before committing a crime. Well, what we do know about the the shooter in Allen um, is is he did not have a criminal criminal background. Um, he bought the guns, at least to my knowledge, he bought um, his firearms and his and his ammunition legally. He actually didn't break any laws, again, to my knowledge, at this point. Um, and and so here's what I here's what I would ask, and and these are the questions that we need when we get around a table and discuss policy solutions. This is the question we need to ask when we look at what happened in Allen. I need someone to show me, and I'm open to this. Show me the law that we could have passed, uh, show me the law that we could put in place that would have prevented him from being able to buy these guns and being able to do what he did in my hometown. I want to see that law. To this point, no one has been able to show me that. And so that's where we really got to get together. We got to figure out, okay, can we do things to prevent this violence or should we make sure, and I'm committed to this, making sure that people in all places have the right to protect and defend themselves. But, but let, me, let me say this in closing. Our law enforcement is so wonderful and so brave. I'm so grateful for that Allen police officer that took decisive action and in one shot demobilized and took out the shooter and prevented this catastrophe, which is horrific, from becoming um, even more horrific. And, and I'm so grateful for our law enforcement. And at the end of the day, we're going to continue to support them and do everything we can to give them the resources they need to keep us safe. Mr. Chairman, one of your colleagues, Frederick Frazier, who also represents uh, parts of Collin County there, said to one of our reporters, uh, are we making it too easy for them to get these weapons that, that we have? Um, talking about AR-15s, he obviously is a Second Amendment supporter as well. And he said that, that that is something that he'd be willing to talk about, whether uh, the laws on the books now make it too easy for these shooters to get those weapons. What do you think about that? 
Well, I, I agree with my friend Frederick Frazier, who's uh, a Dallas police officer, and uh, and there are others like him on both sides of the aisle that that Jason, as you just said, are willing to have a conversation about these issues, and and I am one of those. I agree completely. Now, the the devil's in the details on the legislation, and so much of this uh, comes from the actual policy proposals and the words on the paper, the laws on the books, and so I'm open to a conversation. I don't have any bill in front of me right now that I've seen that could have prevented this, but I'm open to any and all any and all solutions. We have to come to, together. We have to find solutions. We should not be comfortable or okay with this continuing to happen in our country. It's now hit my backyard. It's hit my hometown. It is It has rocked me and my family and our district in a way that none of us imagined possible, but here we are. And we have an opportunity, and I would say an obligation to act and to do the right thing, to do it carefully but boldly. And I think we're going to do that uh, in the coming days. Mr. Chairman, it's two years until the next regular legislative session. Do you, do you think that this is something that can wait until then, or is this something that the governor should call a special session on later this summer? We've got, we've got a little less than three weeks left in this legislative session. We're going to use any and all tools in the toolbox to, uh, to, to advance uh, legislation that, uh, that will protect our Second Amendment rights and yet keep our communities safe. We've got time left here to do it, and we're working around the clock to do just that. When it comes to whether a special session should be called on this or any other issue, um, I know our governor well enough to know that he's going to be careful in doing so, um, that if and when a special session needs to be called, he'll do so. But make no mistake, this is an emergency for our state. This is an emergency for every state, and we ought to treat it as such. And we ought to do everything we can using every tool in the toolbox and convening when necessary, when appropriate, and when right to keep this from happening again. What could happen in the next three weeks before the legislature adjourns? Well, I hope bill that I mentioned earlier, the bill that I'm carrying in the House for Senator Joan Huffman, the first bill that passed the Senate unanimously, um, I, I'm hopeful that I could get that bill to the floor. It's a good, meaningful bill um, <clears throat> that needs to pass and needs to get to the governor's desk. So that's one. Um, there's, there's other things that we've still got in front of us, uh, specifically related to school safety, investing in our schools, hardening our schools, um, getting, getting the resources and personnel in our schools to keep our children safe. Um, there's a number of legislative proposals that I think will make it to the governor's desk to make our communities and our streets and our schools more safe. When it comes to this specific shooting um, and firearms laws and Second Amendment protections, uh, I don't know yet, but we're working around the clock to consider and, and uh, ultimately, hopefully, vote on those solutions. Before we let you go, there's a last-minute push we're all watching uh, on sports betting, even casino gambling as well. The, the Senate has already declared this dead on arrival. Do you expect anything's going to change in that chamber? Well, I, 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 the Senate has actually not, boy, but I know we're, we're really changing topics here, Jason, and I'm happy to do so. Um, but yeah, as, as the author of the, the sports wagering bill in the House, um, I'm, I'm hopeful that this bill will get a fair shake in the Senate. Lieutenant Governor has actually not closed the door on the sports wagering legislation. This is important legislation that needs to pass. This is activity that's happening now. Over a million Texans are, are betting online on sporting events. They're doing so right now under current law criminally and unconstitutionally. I think we need to smartly pass a law that regulates this, that allows these folks to come out of the shadows, that protects our children, um, that, that allows people to get off unsafe, um, illegal uh, betting accounts and app, apps. And I hope that the Senate uh, will, will give this a fair shake, and I'm confident and expectant that they will. Have you spoken to the lieutenant governor about it? Not, not about this specifically, but I've got a good enough relationship with the lieutenant governor to know that, that if we send something over there um, that's supported by a majority of Texans, that he's going to give it a fair shake, and, and I'm hopeful that he will. Mr. Chairman, thank you. Thanks, Jason. So that's State Rep. Jeff Leach there. He's a Republican who represents Allen. He lives very close to where this happened, about a mile away, as you heard. You know, I, I've talked to a lot of Republicans after this, and, and one real uh, close Republican source um, texted me after some of our coverage of it this week. And he, he said, you know, there is zero chance, he said, zero chance of anything passing that would restrict gun rights in this state. And I said, well, well, how about, you know, these four Republicans and the members of the House who are saying that it's time to talk? And this Republican source of mine, who I'm I, it, it, not going to name him, it doesn't matter, uh, because I think he represents a lot of people who aren't talking. But the Republican source of mine said, this is a motion talking. Anybody who tries to pass any anything that would restrict the Second Amendment in Texas is only inviting a primary opponent next year. Mm -hmm. That makes me wonder, Jason, you've been around as long as I have. Uh, I've been around four days longer than you, actually. <laughs> but it, it, it makes me wonder uh, that, you know, like you said in the beginning, 
business as usual, man. And I, I, I want to, I want to think that Frederick Frazier and Jeff Leach and others might do something on this. I don't know whether they convince others to go along with them. Well, I, I think there is going to be a lot of fear because of what you just said there, the P word, primary. Uh, and, you know, even some of those who've taken a stand haven't necessarily, uh, some of those Republicans who've recently taken a stand haven't necessarily been running to the microphone to talk about what they have done, even though it is significant and you could yeah. even say somewhat historic uh, here in Texas. Um, they have genuine worries uh, about what happens the next go-round, which, you know, you put this out to the, the voters of this state and the non-voters of this state, uh, because we keep seeing these polls that are put out over and over again. We just got one uh, earlier this month uh, from, from the University of Texas that says the overwhelming majority of Texans want gun control measures, not, you know, necessarily, you know, I mean, there's a whole gamut of, of measures that can, that can pass, but the majority of them want some forms of gun control, uh, and that includes among Republicans. And so if you're talking about majorities there, you think, well, that, you know, might be a safe bet uh, for, for a politician. But the fact of the matter is, when we get to primary campaigns, so few people vote in those primary elections that politicians end up catering their thoughts and their actions and, and what they're willing to do in the legislature to that tiny fraction. And usually that fraction, whether it be liberal or conservative, is the most extreme. And so they cater to those most extremes on the very ends because so many of us don't bother to show up for a primary. So that's a real threat when you're told you're gonna to be primaried because you go, geez, the majority of people want this and this and this, but I've gotta just, I've gotta you know, hone my message for that tiny sliver that's actually gonna show up reliably. That's the playbook for, for elected officials anywhere in the country, Republican or Democrat. They have mm -hmm. to have to go, go to the extremes and then try to come back to the center. Unless uh, they the have ranked choice election. voting. Uh, true. That's another podcast, though. Yeah. You know, over the past week, we've seen a lot of people in Austin. We've seen people standing in the rotunda of the state capitol there. We've seen them, you know, face to face with some lawmakers demanding change, asking how many more mass shootings do we have to happen? How many more people have to be slaughtered while they worship in church, while they attend school in a classroom, while they go shopping with their families in El Paso and in, uh, in Allen? How many more of these have to happen before something is done? And, and I wrote a little article that, that um, I got some feedback on the other day about Governor Abbott just wanting to move on from this. Mm. The shooting happened at 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. Uh, the governor immediately sent out a statement uh, offering his condolences. On Sunday, the governor flew to Allen to be part of a church service at Cottonwood Creek Church. On Monday morning at 7 a.m., the governor was back to the familiar topics he likes to discuss which is border security. He appeared on Fox News uh, for a, a border security live shot about him sending uh, more National Guardsmen to the border for that. A few hours later on Monday afternoon, at 3.30 in the afternoon, he flew down to Corpus Christi uh, for a groundbreaking of a new Tesla facility with Elon Musk. I'm not saying the governor doesn't care about this. I'm not saying lawmakers don't care about this. And it doesn't matter whether an R or D is behind their name. The, the last line of what I wrote, I think, is, is it should have been the headline and looking back at it now. And that's the inability to protect public safety in this state is a failure of leadership, period. Mm -hmm. Figure it out, guys. Figure it out. It's come home now to solid Red Column County, and it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. It's sad to say that, but six major mass shootings in six years. These things happen at least once a year, and and it's, it's going to happen again unless something happens. I know I'll hear from some of you guys and you say, ah, oh, but you know, there's no way to stop evil. You're right. There is no way to stop evil. And you're right. They could use a baseball bat. They could use a, a car or they could use a knife or anything else. They could, but, but here is, but that's not what they've been using. That's not what they've been using. Here's a chance to address that. Let's mm -hmm. see if they actually do, Wheeler. Well, you know, I, I liken it to, to other problems. I mean, you talk about, you, you mentioned the border. The governor likes to focus a lot on the border. He's done a lot at the border uh, as well. He's committed a lot of resources. Um, with that problem, you don't necessarily only focus in on one 
tactic. Uh, they've done a lot of things. And, and, and you know, let's say for opioids, uh, you know, we try to get people into treatment. We try to help them. Uh, you know, we try to reform the court system where, to where they can get help instead of just locking them up and then they continue on with the problem. But what else do we do? We also try to stop those drugs at the border and, 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 and get them off the streets and so forth. So you have these multi-pronged attacks uh, to a problem. Well, when it comes to this problem, what the governor usually goes back to is we're going to fund mental health. We're not going to talk about, you know, guns and this and that and the other. We can only, we're only going to focus on this one thing. And so, you know, when you look at the, the, the whole, you know, collection of problems that the state faces, a lot of times the state faces a problem and it goes after a multi-pronged attack and tries to stop it in multiple ways. But with this one, we keep hearing that familiar line from the governor. And yes, he, he does seem to have moved on from this pretty quickly. Uh, the, the thing is though, is that, you know, we've moved on pretty quickly all the other times before too. And if, you know, history is any indicator, and it is, this will happen again. You can move on from it as quickly as you want to, but it, it happens again and again and again. Uh, and so, you know, at some point, uh, there, there has to be a solution. There has to be some kind of comprehensive solution. Whatever that looks like, you know, that's up to lawmakers to figure that out uh, and the governor as well. But uh, this is begging for solutions. If there are any naysayers still listening this far into the podcast, let me say this unequivocally. AR-15s are not going away. They just aren't. You, you can't. Yeah. It's like de deporting everyone who's illegal here. It's it's stupid to even say that. It's not going to happen. And right. AR-15s are not going to go away. And people are like, oh, come get them over my you know cold, dead fingers, my cold, dead body. That's not going to happen. But I think for the first time, you have people like Frederick Fraser saying, listen, they're using the guns that we like. We should be able to think of a way to prevent them from doing that. I don't know what the answer is. I didn't run for public office. I'm not asking for, for uh, you know, to, to have that responsibility, but it is encouraging to, to see Republicans consider this for the first time. Let us know what you think. Uh, we know there's opinions out there uh, going in all directions. Let us know what you think and um, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast here and please pass it around to others uh, so that they can have a listen as well. And uh, thanks for listening again this week. We'll do it all again next week. Click subscribe and get Yolitics every week. Eolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas.